Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From NewSounds.org and the studios of WNYC in New York, this is Soundcheck, our series of live performances and interviews. I'm John Schaefer. Pianist Pascal LeBeuf got his start as a jazz pianist, but he also has a long-standing interest in electronic music. Now he's established himself as a sought-after composer of music that I'll call contemporary classical simply because no other term seems to fit. Today, he's brought what might otherwise look like a classic jazz trio, you know, piano, bass, and drums, if it weren't for the additional strings playing with them and the fact that Pascal has monkeyed around with the strings inside our piano. Here is Pascal LeBeuf and his band to play some music from his new album called Ritual Being. This first piece is Transition Behavior. Thank you. 
All right then, Transition Behavior is the name of that performance from composer and pianist Pascal Leboeuf. Left hand on the keyboard, right hand whacking the inside of the instrument with a mallet. Uh, I should have told you, Pascal, uh, R-E-R, piano, you break it, you bought it. So have a care over there. Uh, also performing here in the studio, Charles Yang on violin, Gabriel Cabezas on cello. Max Jacobs played bass on that piece, although Martin Nevin is going to be walking in to play bass on the rest of the set. And uh, Peter Kronreif behind our drum kit. And the reason Max was here for this piece, uh, Pascal, is you wrote this piece kind of for his band originally, right? That's right. Um, it was originally a string orchestra piece written for Shattered Glass. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the way they had configured the orchestra, there was one bass and then a number of cello and violas and violins. And so I thought, oh, it's basically a, a bass concerto, uh -huh. the way it's set up. And, uh, and Max is such a cool guy, I wanted to write him a, a really fun and exciting part. The only problem is it's pretty difficult to play, so <laughs> I'm glad he could come in today to lend his expertise. Um, is there a hint of metal in, in that piece? Oh, more than a hint, for okay, sure. Okay, okay. Just wanted to make <laughs> sure I wasn't hearing things. Um, I was actually I was working on another commission at the same time called Forbidden Subjects for electric guitars and bass. And I was checking out a lot of metal to kind of learn how to write, write for guitar and, and to listen to things that I wanted to hear. And at the same time, I was writing this piece. And so the metal actually all snuck into this piece. <laughs> so you may hear some, some nods to Meshuga uh -huh. and the Mars Volta and things like that. Okay. Uh, the album's called Ritual Being. Where do, what does that title refer to? Well, the title actually it refers to... Um, um, we have repetitive behaviors, and when you, you think about human beings on a global scale, um, there, there are repetitive behaviors that, when combined, kind of change the, the course of the planet um, mm -hmm. and, or the, the, the course of humanity. The title kind of refers to this, this idea and, and, and encourages people to uh, think about their repetitive patterns, their re repetitive behaviors, and make conscious choices so that we can have, um, hopefully, some healthy rituals. So um, the reason I asked the question is, um, in, in, I guess it was 2018, you did your record mm -hmm. uh, Into the Anthropocene. Yes. So it seems like maybe that whole idea of how we as a species are impacting the world that we live on, th that maybe this is kind of a sequel or a follow-up to that. Definitely, especially uh, considering the concept. I mean, I was reading, for both of those pieces, I was reading a book called Sapiens. Oh, what a great book that is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, By and Yuval... Uh, Harari. Right, yeah. Um, and it was just, I was thinking about uh, uh, humans in, in mass and, and, and our effect on the planet and on each other and some of our, um, you know, aggressive tendencies and problematic behaviors. And, and I think that both pieces represented different ways of trying to um, engage with that um, history and, and that aspect of humanness. Well, now, these are instrumental pieces. So how mm -hmm. does that message, I mean, how does that inform the music? That's a good question. Um, well, in the case of Ritual Being, the, the, the composition, um, there are a lot of kind of swarm-like textures where I treat the instruments in such a way where um, 
they're they're not uh, uh, behaving like uh, individuals all the time. They kind of go back and forth between this individual and then this swarm. And the music uh, for that piece, too, is, is kind of a dark interpretation of the situation. You know, we start moving in some direction and then we get carried away and then things get chaotic. And that's kind of how the composition is uh, set up. So do you have the idea before you set pen to paper to start writing out these pieces? You know, is that the way the process works? It's different for every piece, but in this case, um, it was kind of a, re a reflection of the things that I was thinking about at the time when I was composing. Mm. And um, sometimes you have the idea and then you compose. And I think sometimes you compose and then you figure out what it's about. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, in this case, I figured it out after I started the piece. Mm. And, um, and then I continued composing with that. So are you idea. a science nerd? I would say so. Uh, I grew up in a family of biologists. Really? My, my parents are both elephant seal biologists, and my, my sister is a, an a ant pheromone biologist. Wow. Um, and so science was always kind of uh, the family business, I guess you could say. Yeah. How did you end up in this <laughs> end of the family business, writing about, you know, writing music about biology rather than... I can still, I can still write music about science. That's pretty great. Yeah, and yeah. I don't have to go through the peer review process in the same in the same way as I would if I were a researcher, which sounds pretty stressful. And you don't have to be out there on on an island with a bunch of angry bull seals. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, that's what my parents did, and I think it was the '70s, so that made it even more interesting. Mm, okay, um, the piece you're going to do next called Wanderlust. You wrote this for Todd Reynolds, right? The, the violin. I did actually. Yeah. Yeah. Todd is a dear friend. He's somebody who encouraged me um, at a pivotal time in my creative journey. Um, he en encouraged me to write music for hybrid ensembles like this. Yeah. He well, was. Well, Todd is a longtime associate of Bang on a Can, the Bang yeah. on a Can All Stars, which, if you're going to talk about hybrid ensembles, are kind of like ground zero for that. It's funny you should mention that because that's where I met Todd. And, and really got to know him. Um, and that's also where I met Charles because the same year when I was at Bang on a Can for the first time learning about the wonderful community that they kind of harbor there, um, Charles was there uh, performing in Michael Gordon's Van Gogh. Mm, and, uh, the Van Gogh Opera. Yeah. The opera. Yeah. And that's kind of when we, I think we were hanging out at a bar at one point and he was like, oh, you can pits and bow at the same time. Check it out. <laughs> and this was a few drinks in probably. And, and he was yeah. doing these amazing things. And I was thinking, oh, I got to write a piece for that. And we're going to play that piece tonight. So okay, uh, that's going to be fun. Is that obliquely wrecked? The it one is. that's coming it up is. later? Yes. Uh, but Wanderlust has its own kind of mm -hmm. intricacies. Uh, there's some really interesting shifting rhythms here. What's what's going on? This this doesn't sound like yeah. biology at work. This sounds like something else. Well, this one's kind of celebratory. I mean, I wanted to write something for um, for ensembles to play uh, for Lincoln Center Stage, which was kind of a um, stage on a boat on a cruise ship. And oh. Todd was contracting um, for this uh, organization and, and uh, commissioning a ton of cool music. And 
I had done an arrangement of Dave Brubeck's Blue Rondo a la Turk, mm-hmm. which Todd was a big fan of. And and so he said, oh, you should try something kind of like that. You know, that was a hit and it's really fun to play. So there are some references in Wanderlust to that. There's this big boom chick moment that yep. happens at the yep. end of the form, which is uh, kind of a nod to Brubeck. Um, and another uh, uh, heavy influence was Jennifer Higdon. She does a lot of fun orchestration Uh-oh. in her string writing where she kind of hides melodies in these kind of scalular runs. Mm-hmm. And so there's some of that um, in there for Jennifer, too. Okay. Well, let's hear how it all turned out. The piece is called Wanderlust. You'll find a version of it on the album Ritual Being, Pascal LaBeouf's latest. But here's a live performance.
That is Wonderlust, another live performance of music from the pianist and composer Pascal Leboeuf with Charles Yang on violin, Gabriel Cabezas on cello, Martin Nevin on bass, and Peter Cronreif behind our drum kit. And uh, Pascal, if people go and listen to the album Ritual Being, they'll hear a couple of obvious differences you know, between what, first of all, no saxes mm-hmm. today, uh, although your brother Remy, with whom you've obviously been playing music, I would assume for most of your life. I've heard of that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, is is all over the, the new record. Um, the other thing is that the piano solo in Wanderlust is mm-hmm. obviously improvised. Oh, yeah. And the intro, too, with these guys. So how... I mean, everybody, even Peter behind the drums, is reading from a score. So there's mm-hmm. clearly something fixed about all of these pieces. How fixed and how mutable are these works? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, well, a lot of the works from the album, Wanderlust included, began as notation-based pieces where, you know, I... I tried to compose music that would be accessible to people who maybe went to college for classical music. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I have a background in, in jazz and electronic music, and I, and I kind of wanted to bring it back to my community and my, you know, my friends so we could all play together and we could you know, learn from each other and everybody can do the things they do. It, it is all acoustic music, but you mentioned that you, know, you have a background in electronic music. Is mm-hmm. that where the the inspiration comes from to alter the piano sound uh, with the mallet in the first piece and with, what, what is that, magnets that you put on the strings? In this? Mm-hmm. So is that kind of a reflection of, of your electronic music background? You know, it all kind of is related. Um, I got very interested in inside the piano and prepared piano stuff um, when I started checking out contemporary classical music and trying to find a place where I felt I could belong. Um, and one of the wonderful things about prepared piano is that you create these strange soundscapes. The, the pedal of the piano makes things sound cavernous, like mm-hmm. some washy reverb. And often, actually, I find when I write for prepared piano, people think it's electronic and it's not. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of, I think I was attracted to those sounds um, um, and still am uh, because they they feel like emotionally they feel like the same way that I feel when I listen to Square Pusher or Aphex Twin or something like that. You wrote a piece for the duo Righteous Girls mm-hmm. uh, called Gathering Blue, which mm-hmm. which has a lot of prepared piano sounds it in it. It presents as the two of them live in the studio, but I guess that isn't actually how it worked out, was it? Um, well, I think we, I composed a lot of that in a digital audio workstation, but a lot of those sounds on that record uh, that you were just referring to are from John Cage's Sonatas and Interludes. and uh, The groundbreaking yeah. collection of pieces for prepared piano from the 1940s. And it's great because if you set up the piano that way, which takes a while, yeah. And you can just leave it set up and then play some more music on it. Yeah. So um, these magnets, this is something you've just made, right? Yes. So these are things you can get at a hardware store, um, and they just came from experimenting. Basically, I take some bar magnets, Mm -hmm. and then I apply some different 
uh, padding on different sides of the magnets. So, so they it's sound like different. weather stripping, basically. Yeah, there's like a window sealant on one side and then a felt for the bottom of a chair or something like that on the other side, and they sound pretty interesting. Yeah. You can even find nodes. So if you touch a string halfway through, it's right. an octave up, and we can do this. Um, and we can also do these things. Yep. So yeah, they're my friends, and they're <laughs> nice to pianos, so <laughs> that's good, too. Uh, um, so there are various moments on Ritual Being where you come back to ideas that you've had before. So the, the title track is in two parts. Uh, there's a redux of transition mm -hmm. behavior. And the piece you're going to do next, which you actually referred to earlier, uh, Obliquely Wrecked, there are two versions of that on the record as well, mm -hmm. one with drums, one without. Uh, so what's, what's that about, this kind of reconsidering of things that have come before? Uh, well, part of it is, um, I mean, with, with Obliquely Wrecked, it's really just that I wanted to have a, a version with drums and without. So there's a, the without drums is a bonus track. Mm -hmm. um, but the others are kind of set up so that the album has a flow to it. When structuring a project, it's nice to return to to themes and kind of um, um, explore things in different ways. Um, so that's kind of where I was coming from. So it, it basically, you did see this as an album, as a an entire listening experience, as opposed to a series of tracks that just happened to be released together. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, Shall we, uh, shall we hear Obliquely Wrecked? Yes, let's go. All right, this is, uh, so you've got, a, you've got Peter here, so this is the drummer version, presumably. Oh yeah, well if Peter's <laughs> here, we should use him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, uh, from the album Ritual Being, here's a live performance of Pascal LaBeouf's piece called Obliquely Wrecked. <laughs>
That's called Obliquely Wrecked, and it is music from Pascal LeBeuf. So this is the work, Pascal, that you mentioned earlier that you originally wrote after Charles was displaying the ability to do pizzicato and bow arco at the same time. Yes, almost yes. The, almost exactly the same time, just really rapid. Charles gets yeah. to be a hero on this piece. Yeah. <laughs> and so this this grew out of uh, meeting each other at the Bang on a Can Summer Festival, it I did, assume, it at, did. at Mass Mocha, yes. which happens every summer. Um, yeah. So once Charles got done uh, playing the strings inside the piano with the credit card, it was back to the violin, Gabe Cabasis playing the cello, uh, Martin sat that w- this one out, but we had uh, Peter Cronreif behind the drums. Yet a fair amount of the percussive playing was from you, Pascal, inside the piano, uh, with the the mallet again and and the magnets and stuff. Um, what happens next for you? I mean, you know, into the Anthropocene and ritual being both with this kind of overarching idea, assuming that we don't actually destroy ourselves and our planet before your next <laughs> record comes out. Are you? kind of still mining that idea for music? Well, I think I'm I'm more interested in kind of moving towards the, the, the smaller scale individual perspective, the subjective approach. I mm. I started a family recently, you know, I've got a... Um, I assume you had some help with that. I did, I did. <laughs> My favorite composer, Molly Heron, helped me with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, we've got another, an, a second child coming in about a month. Um, so one thing that I've been thinking a lot about is um, how the artistic process changes when you're a parent um, and kind of how to um, celebrate that and kind of uh, express different feelings in, in the music that kind of relate to what's going on in the world around me. And, and I've become much more interested in um, kind of less macho music, some th- mm. things that are more about like the in- intimacy of, of uh, communication um, with a small number of people, and and uh, I well, find that's what I want to hear a lot of the time, yeah. too. Well, and, and you don't really need to look too much further than Molly Heron's record with the, the vile Victor. trio known as Science Victa playing those intimate little uh, early string instruments mm-hmm. from the Renaissance and Baroque period. So, all right. Well, congratulations to the both of you. And, uh, thank you. And thank you for bringing the band in and playing for us today. This has been great fun. My pleasure. It's been great fun for us, too. And thanks to our hardworking crew. Uh, our producer, Karen Havlick, also shot our video today. Our technical director is Irene Trudell. I'm John Schaefer. You can keep up with everything we're doing on New Sounds by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. Text New Sounds to 70101 or sign up on the website at newsounds.org.